Flip to Freedom, episode number eight. Hello again, this is Sean Terry from the Flip to Freedom podcast. I'd like to welcome you to episode number eight. Now, I'm here to help you escape the nine to five, get out of the rat race, and live the lifestyle of your dreams by learning how you can make an absolute fortune flipping properties in your spare time, even if you're just getting started today. Now, in this episode, we are going to continue our discussion on the seven effective steps of wholesaling. Um, We covered uh, how to find motivated sellers. And in this episode, we're going to talk about getting the contract, actually going on the appointment, getting the contract, and then opening up escrow. Now, this is a great episode because uh, it's my favorite part. It's actually where you go actually go get to meet the seller, you get to see the house, and you get to negotiate the deal, get the contract, um, and then and once you get the contract, that's when you're making some money right there. All right? Now, uh, remember, if you'd like to download my free comprehensive blueprint on how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less, please visit Flip the number two freedom.com and I can tell you it's a I mean it's extensive um, it took me months to put this report together and there are sections it's not a report it's a book actually but there are sections each it'll explain each week in detail what you specifically need to do there's pictures in there there's examples there's resources there's websites on how to negotiate um, how to find the sellers, what what websites we use and what they say to find those sellers, um, what tactics do we use uh, for driving traffic to the websites, um, what we use specifically for our uh, direct mail marketing that we get an 11.2% response rate. Um, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. I'll just, I'll just give you an example before I get into the uh, podcast. Yesterday, um, I've, we got a, a, a lead that came in off a of bandit sign uh, for a property here in Phoenix. And also, I was also working on a follow-up um, from a lead that came from the, uh, the internet, from our, uh, from our um, Google advertising, from our pay-per-click advertising there, they hit our website. So between those two, I was working on them, and they happened to come to a head right then and there um, yesterday where I actually went out and I got uh, you know, a contract on the first property, I walked through it, met with a seller, negotiated with them, uh, got it under, under contract for a great price. Um, so I left there, and then I turned around and I met a buyer, a cash buyer, that's buying one of our other properties we're making a $15,000 profit on in about a week and a half. And then I went and met the seller for the other property and walked through the house with him, looked at the property, negotiated with him, got the contract and everything. Um, so and today I had to actually run out. I had to, uh, I, I, uh, I had to put lock boxes on him, got the keys made, took a bunch of pictures, and it's going to be out on our, um, out to our cash buyers uh, probably first thing tomorrow so we can sell those. So anyways, on those particular, I mean, yesterday, just yesterday alone, um, we'll probably make, you know, 10, 12,000 on the first one. Uh, we made, you know, 15,000 selling the property to that uh, cash buyer, another 10 to 12,000. I mean, yesterday was roughly a twenty, thirty-five thousand dollar day, you know, and that can happen. That's, I mean, that's the beauty about this. So, you know, I've developed the website at flip2freedom.com and it's solely to basically help you escape the nine to five. So you can work your job 
and start working real estate around your job. You know, you know, um, by generating leads and, and, and calling people back and setting appointments, and basically make enough money to put in the bank so you can quit your job. Now, I always tell people, I say, get a year's worth of income in the bank. And that means that means you'll be have been successful buying and selling properties, doing exactly what we're talking about here, um, and then get a year's worth of income in the bank, and then you can make a a good decision whether you want to quit or not, um, and then go full time. And I'm telling you, I mean, the lifestyle of a, a real estate investor is phenomenal. I mean, it's you get to come and go as you please. Wake up when you want to wake up. I went to the gym this morning, woke up, you know, woke up, you know, got the kids to school, went to the gym, talked on the phone, did some, you know, emails, you know, went out and got the lock boxes done on the keys. But, you know, to, and then, you know, come here and uh, record a podcast. And believe me, I'm, I'm not a podcaster. So, if, you know, I, I do apologize for the, uh, if the audio sound isn't as crisp and clear as some of the uh, the other professional podcasters, I'm, I'm a real estate investor, and I'm just here uh, to try to add value to other people, try to help other people out, um, and show them how they can get out of the rat race. Because I know um, the time when I was working a job, I just hated answering to people. I used to spend four years in the Marine Corps, and I'm, I'm just the type of person, I don't know if I'm HDHD or whatever it is, but I just cannot answer to other people and uh, one thing I like about real estate investment is you can uh, make as much money as you want and you can have the freedom to do things that you want to do. All right, now let's get into this episode, getting the contract and opening up escrow. All right, so you've marketed for sellers, you got a phone calls that came in, you called the people back, you got the information from them that we talked about in the last episode, and you now have set an appointment with them to go view the house. So what do you need to have with you so you can go on that appointment so you can succeed? The first thing you need is you have to have comparable sales. I mean, people want to know what properties are selling for around them. Another thing you want to do is have a filled out purchase contract the next thing is a letter of authorization, and the next thing after that, fourth thing, is a camera so you can take pictures of the property, which I didn't do yesterday, and I had to drive all the way back there and take pictures, which I don't like to do. It's a waste of time. Anyways, so let's talk about comparable sales. When you're finding comparable sales, you can use either Zillow.com, eAppraisal, um, like sites like that, or you can... Um, use the MLS. Um, my wife is a, is a real estate agent. I use the MLS. Um, actually, she does. I have her comp out the property uh, for me, and then um, I know what properties are actually selling in the area. Um, if you don't have access to the MLS, you can work with a an agent, uh, send them the property, and see if they can find comparable sales within a tight range, usually within a quarter mile. Now, here's the parameters you want to give your real estate agent. You want to find properties within two or 300 square feet of the subject property. You want to find properties that have sold in the last 90 days. You want to find properties that are um, at least within one mile. I prefer a quarter mile, uh, close, close, tight in comps, quarter mile. Now, why am I asking for these parameters? Because that's what an appraiser is going to look for. They're going to look for you know, properties within a one mile, within two or 300 square feet, and it's like property. Now, most of the properties that we go on are distressed properties. They're not mint condition. 
So you don't want to take comparable sales that are renovated properties. That would be your after repair value. What you think you can, um, uh, what do you what do you think you can? Uh, uh, someone that's going to fix and flip the property, what they can sell it for. What you're looking for is the worst distressed comparable sales in the neighborhood or active listings in the neighborhood to give a, a, an idea of what the property is worth. Now, so you do that. Now you print those out and you're going to bring those with you. I have a folder, okay, and I have a, I have the comparable sales in the folder and I can reference them. Um, the next thing you want to do is have a filled out purchase contract. Um, we use uh, the Arizona regular residential you know, real estate contract that all, all the realtors use here. You can uh, talk to an agent and get their uh, a copy of your state's uh, real uh, contract. Um, or, you know... Um, you can uh, download a purchase contract online. The first contract I ever used, I got at Staples, actually, and uh, and that's the contract I used to uh, get my first deal way back when. A letter of authorization. A letter of authorization is a simple letter allowing you to talk to the bank to be able to pull payoffs or allow the title company to pull payoffs from the bank. Okay, and obviously a camera so you can take pictures. Now before you go in into this. Now you have you have a folder, you have all this information, you have the contract, you have a letter of authorization, you have a camera, you got the pens of course, um, you got the comparable sales, you got all that stuff and now you're on the way to the appointment, you're driving there. You got to get yourself mentally prepared um, to go in and get this contract. And now, first off, you want to assume the sale, you know, you know and how, how do you assume the sale? You assume the sale by just knowing you're going to get it. And because you're a professional, or, or you're, you're part-time, I guess, but you're, I mean, you're going in to get the contract, right? You should know exactly, specifically, where you need to be to be able to make money on the property, okay? So let's say theoretically, and how do you figure out that? And I've, I've talked about this in the previous episodes, but I'll recap it real quick for you. Um, if a property is worth $100,000, um, right off the bat, you take 70% of that, so $70,000, and you take the repairs off that. Let's say the repairs are $10,000. That means you can sell the property quickly to a cash buyer for $60,000 cash. That means someone will look at the property, um, they'll, they'll commit to it, they'll buy it, and they'll close it in a week. Okay, so you get a hundred thousand dollar property. It needs ten thousand dollars for the work. Right off the bat, you get to take seventy percent off, less repairs, and that's going to give you a sixty thousand dollar purchase price. Okay, I mean a, a sell price. That's what you're going to sell it to the investor for. Now, for you to make money, you have to get it under that sixty thousand mark. Now, if you want to uh, theoretically, you want to make ten thousand dollars. That means that means you you want to make you want to offer. $50,000 or, or, or you want to you want to be in you want to know in your head that you're going to be that you need to be at $50,000 and under all right so you want to go in there and knowing that information you have a clear-cut precise goal of when you're walking in your goal when you're walking in is to um, obviously you know find out the repairs but also to you want to know inside that you can be able to get this contract it's just uh, it's, it's assume the sale how else can I explain it um, it's just, it's just going in there, talking to yourself, and say, "Listen, I'm going to go get this deal. I'm going to go in and I'm going to get this deal today. I don't, you know, whatever it takes, I'm going to go in and get this deal. I'm going to negotiate with them um, and get the contract." Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I tell myself. Anyways, now don't act needy. 
acting needy means that you portray that you need the deal. Um, I usually never go in needing the deal. I mean, I'm walking in and when I'm talking to them, the, the seller, and we're coming down to the negotiation point, um, I don't act needy. I, I, I just like, listen, I've, I've got five other properties I got to look at this week. You know, I could, I have a limited amount of capital. I could either buy your property or I could buy the other properties I'm going to be looking at this week. So, you know, to me, it really doesn't matter. A property is a property, even though I do like your property. I think the floor plan's great. But honestly, you know, I'm, I'm not going to convince you to sell and I'm not going to, you know, commit to a price that I know that, that doesn't work for me. Um, if you do that, then guess what? sellers will respond because you know what? They don't want to lose a deal. They don't want to have to go call another investor, call a realtor, fix up the bill. They don't want to do that. They just want to get it done and off their back. And that's what you can provide for them. All right. Like I talked about, know your price going in. It's imperative. Be, uh, be prepared knowing exactly what's the most you're willing to uh, pay for the property prior to going into your meeting. All right. Now I'm going to talk about right now which I don't know many people that do. I think this is the biggest obstacle I see for people when they're first getting started. This is the number one secret for getting deals. And it starts when you pick up the phone and you talk to the seller on the phone. The number one secret, you know what it is? Well, if you listen to a couple of my last episodes, you probably do. The number one secret to getting deals done is to build rapport. I know it sounds stupid or you know some not not some you know cool magic formula whatever but the bottom line is is build rapport. You build rapport on the phone and you build rapport when you meet them. And you know when building rapport um, gets the seller to like and trust you. If they like you and they trust you, they will sell their property to you. Um, I always and never, ever discuss price, terms, money, anything until I've established a good enough rapport with the people um, that where then I can build friendship with them and I can even start kidding with them and messing with them um, when we start start talking about the numbers. Okay, so how do you build rapport? Well, first off, when you meet the seller, obviously, you know, be sincerely interested in their situation. You know, finding out the situation um, and find a connection with these people. Find a connection um, with them that will that will basically that, that you can build a bridge, something for them to talk about. A, a great way to build rapport is is get them talking about their kids or their family or the house or the history or. You know, if you're buying a house with it that's not vacant, where they're they're actually living in it, then you can find pictures on the wall. You can find hobbies that they like. But I'm always scanning the room and I'm looking for items or objects that I can ask a question about, and have them talk. And I intently listen to them. So then, for the fact of building rapport, I'll give you an example. I was in this one house um, where the guy, actually uh, the seller. Um, he actually inherited a property and his brother was living in the, in, in the property that was inherited and he just wanted to get rid of it. So I met him at his house and walked in and there were all these boats, these handcrafted wooden boats, hundreds of them on the walls, on the shelves, um, on the, on the whatever, the, you know, armoire, whatever. 
They have boats everywhere. So when I'm walking in and I'm talking to him, I shook his hand. How's it going? I said, listen, I mean, what are all these boats? I said, and I, I went up to one. I looked at him and I said, this is incredible. Did you make these? And the guy's like, no. And he began to tell me a half hour story on how he collects these boats at every place he's ever been to in the world. He was in the military. And also he got gifts from people that went places and gave him these boats. And I mean, the guy has boats, every boats galore. And I let him talk for a half hour. I showed sincere interest. I continued asking questions about different boats and which one he liked the best and which one he didn't like and why he liked that one the best and yada, yada, yada. But I'm telling you after that, just by asking maybe a handful of questions, he liked me and trust me. And I got the contract for specifically what I was asking for and even better. And uh, signed everything right there on the spot. Opened up Best Grow. I think we turned that one and sold. And I think we made like $18,000 on it. Great deal. Anyways. So never talk numbers before you build reports imperative. Find something to connect with. Connect with them. And when you're going through the property, the seller will actually walk you around the property. And you can ask him questions about the roof and the AC unit and the, you know, any plumbing issues, any electric issues, and, and you know, major cost items or any issues with the property. And on your manila notepad there, a manila uh, folder, just write notes of what you think it will cost to uh, get the property renovated. Now, a, a quick and dirty rule of thumb is, is what you do is you take the square footage you know, times roughly $5 a foot, you know, five, you know, you could do five to seven bucks a foot, um, but take the square footage of the property times, you know, five to $10 a square foot, depending on how bad it is. You know, so if you have a 2000 square foot property, multiply it times 10, 10, $20,000, multiply it times five, you got $10,000. So, you know, you can do it between five and 10, that'll give you a good estimate um, by the square footage of the property, um, how much work needs to be done on it. Okay. Now, when you are walking around the cellar, you want to point out problems with the property. Um, drywall issues. Uh, you look at the ceiling. It looks like there's discolored from, from stains from, um, from roof leaks or something like that, from uh, water heaters. Uh, you know, what else? Just, you know, look for problems in the property. Uh, things that are not pristine, and, and and what you want to do is make notes with that, um, and it will point out to the seller that guess what? I mean, your property is not a prized possession, you know. And guess what? We're going to need discounts for all these different things. Then what you want to do is try to put a number to the repairs and say, well, you know, it's going to cost roughly thirteen, fourteen hundred square feet, you know, da da da. It's going to cost roughly fifteen thousand dollars, you know, to get this property in top grade A position. Uh, to turn around and sell it on this retail market right now. And that's great, you know, putting out numbers like that so they have an understanding of what it's going to take because they probably don't know. They've never hired a contractor before to come in and, and renovate a house. Um, so the other thing is is uh, a, a thing where a seller really can't. I mean, a seller can, you know, discount the roof and discount this and discount that. But the other thing is possibly... If you know that the, the negotiation is going to be a little, little tough, make an issue about the floor plan. The floor plan is extremely difficult for the seller to overcome because you can't change the floor plan. I mean, we can change the floor plan by knocking down walls, but he can't change it. So if you make a slight issue about the floor plan, 
then that might help in the, in the negotiation uh, process too. All right, now let's talk about negotiating price. First rule of thumb, never, ever, ever, ever name the first number, period. Never name the first number. I always ask, you know, you know, First off, I always ask how, how quick they, would they need to sell? You know, how, how fast you need to sell? You know, how, you know, you know if, if I could close quickly, would that be good for you? Or you want you know you want to wait two or three months? Um, and they'll say, well, you know, I want to close quickly. They, if they say, listen, you know, I want to close as soon as possible, be great. I'll say great. Now, if I could close as soon as possible and I could pay cash, what's the absolute minimum price you would take if I could pay cash and do a contract today? And then shut up. Don't ask again. Don't say another word. There'll be silence. Probably about three, four, five, six, seven second pause between when you ask that question and then you get some sort of response. Now, during that time, I'm telling you, shut up. Don't say a word. If you say something after that point, then you're going to lose the deal. Or you're not going to lose the deal. You're just not going to get it for the price you want. Ask the question, be quiet. And as soon as they come back with an answer, yesterday, I asked the lady, I go, what's the minimum cash you would take if I could close quickly on this property? She goes, $50,000. Now, I was thinking she was going to say sixty or seventy, dollars honestly. Um, but she came back and said $50,000. I was like, okay, cool. Um, I said, you know, between the floor plan and the prepares it, doesn't even have a kitchen, you know, is that the best you can do? And she comes back and goes, well, you know, maybe I could do 47. I said, now I knew I had to be at 50. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be at 50. So I said, well, listen, I can probably do 40 to get it done. And then she goes, well, and we went back and forth. I finally agreed uh, to get the deal at 47. And we signed the contract right there for $47,000. So anyways, Never name the first number. Now, if they come back and say, well, it just made me an offer, and just say, well, you know, I don't know. You tell me. I said, if I make an offer, it's going to be a rock bottom below. You know, it's going to be 20000 bucks. It's going to be my number. You know, if they force you to make it, I said, but listen, you know, more, let's instead talk about, you know, what, what would you like to get for the property? What would be, what would be great for you? You know, what would be, what would be acceptable for you to get on the property? And they'll come back and they'll give, they'll give you something. All right, so never ask for seven. Next, next one is ask, what's the minimum they will take if you close cash quick? If you close quick with cash, what's the minimum cash they would take? Once they tell you a number, then always go back and say, you know, with this, you know, the floor plan and the roof, whatever, is that the best you can do? Okay. Now, if you have to make an offer, if they're just, listen, just give me a number. If they're, if they are, you know, they are just, they're stickler and they want you to name the first number, always offer 20 to 30% below the number you have to be. All right, that's just my rule of thumb and it just seems to work. The other one um, in negotiating is use fear of loss. Now, if you want to, if you want to understand uh, fear of loss, listen to episode number three where I talk about how to negotiate a smoking deal. Um, I go in depth on specifically how to use fear of loss. And fear of loss is, and the way I use fear of loss is, I basically say, hey, listen, like I said, I got five properties I can be looking at this week. I have a limited amount of cash. I only can buy probably one or two out of the five. I like your property. 
I have some issues with the floor plan. It needs a little bit more work than I like. But, you know, if you can make a decision today and we can agree on a price today, then I'll commit to it and I'll peg it. And then I'm just not, I'll just have to buy one, you know, one less property. But I can tell you, if I leave here today, then I can't commit that I can buy it you know, in the next, you know, a couple weeks, I'm going to have to put it in the queue and I'll have to wait, you know, maybe three, two or three months down the road until I free up some more capital to buy, uh, buy the property that works every single time. If someone needs to sell, that will get them to a decision point because guess what? If you get it great, if you don't, that's fine. Cause you got five of the deals you're going to look at. There's a plethora of properties out there to purchase. You know what? And, uh, if you want me to commit today on a property, then, um, then uh, we need to be at this price, and it works. It works great. All right, so that's uh, episode number three: how to negotiate a smoking deal. Now, once you've agreed on price, I always look them in the eye and shake their hand, and I say, "Okay, we got it agreed." And then, right when you do that, then you got to uh, break out the contract. You have your pre-written contract. You have your letter of authorization. Break out the contract, fill in any information you don't have, um, and then get them to go and go through the contract with them page by page. You don't have to read every single word. I just, you know, I highlight different sections of the contract. Um, have them initial the corners and have them sign the end, and now you officially got your first deal. Congratulations. All right. Um, and also to make sure that you get the most recent bank statement from them if you can. Um, the most recent bank statement will let you know what they owe on the property, the balance uh, that they have on the property. Okay? Um, in the f next coming episodes, um, we will talk about how to structure deals. Um, I did two different deals yesterday. I structured one uh, full cash offer, $47,000, um, and I gave myself about a month to close. Um, we'll probably sell it. I, uh, I text one of my cash buyer guys today about the property after I put a lockbox on it. He texted me right back and said he, he'll, uh, he's going to go look at it, but he thinks he'll take it. <laughs> so literally signed it yesterday, sell it today, and then we just have to go through the whole escrow process, which is takes about a couple weeks. So anyways, the other deal I structured was I... I was able to leave the loan in place, a $36,000 loan in place, and we basically, I told the seller that I need to keep the loan in place for a three-year period, their payment's around 500 bucks a month, and we'll give them $5,000 cash at closing. So if that's it, $5,000 out of pocket. So then we can determine, well, do we want that in our inventory to use as a rental property, or is it someone, do we want to sell it to a retail person for you know $15,000 or $20,000 down, you know, or do we want to sell it to a fix and flipper for fifteen dollars or $20,000 down that they can come in and fix it up and sell it, but they don't have to come up with a balance of the $36,000 because the uh, I got the seller to basically leave the loan in place, purchased it subject to the existing financing. Okay, and we'll get we'll get into that. And like I said, if you want to go to fliptofreedom.com, you want to download my free report. I got all this stuff in there: tactics, what to say, how to negotiate, everything. All right. All right. Now, after I you know get the bank statement, I you know you know get the contract signed. I usually walk them through what's going to happen, what to expect. Okay. Um, I used to tell them, say, listen, I'm going to email you the contract. You'll have the contract, uh, you know, in a PDF format via an email. I'm also going to um, 
copy the escrow agent's information in the email so you have that as well. Um, and then uh, I'm going to put a lockbox on the property. Now, this is if it's vacant. If it's not vacant, it's a, it's a whole different deal because then you have to arrange uh, times to uh, have buyers come through the property and look at the property. And then that typically, you know, I'll talk about when we uh, when when you're selling the property to to uh, to cash buyers how to work around uh, having an owner owner there. But in these two particular particular property that they bought, they were vacant. So I just put lock boxes on them and I told them, I said, listen, I'm going to have, uh, I got to have my partners come through. I got contractors coming through. I got appraisers coming through. So, um, if the neighbors call you and say that there's people going through the house, don't worry about it. All right. So, uh, next thing is, um, the title company might ask for additional information. So they might ask for um, like an ID statement. They might ask for trust documents. They might ask for other documentation um, that they might have uh, regarding the loan to get the loan payoff um, and stuff like that. Okay. Then the title company will call and schedule a signing and then they'll call us and then we will close the transaction. Okay. Now let's talk about how to open escrow. Open escrow is, is real simple. Um, you scan or uh, make a PDF uh, copy of the contract, or you can actually even run down to the escrow office. When I first started, I would just I would just run down there because um, you know because I you know just to build communication and, and uh, build the relationship with the escrow officer. But send the contract uh, to your escrow agent um, via um, either drive it down there, like I said, or you can send it uh, via email. Um, then you let the escrow officer know your intent with a property, whether it be a you're, that you're going to flip the property and you're going to do it via a double assignment or an escrow, which we'll get into the uh, in the later episodes. Um, email them the letter of authorization, the mortgage statement, and that's it. Now what happens is they're going to get the the escrow, and I, I never, rarely, ever do I ever put down earnest money. I don't put down earnest money because. It's just a pain in the neck. I have to go down there. I have to give them a check. Unless someone asks for it. But very, very rarely do I ever um, put the, put in put up earnest money. Okay. So uh, when I, you get the contract, you get the letter of authorization, you get the bank statement, you get all that over to the escrow officer. Um, and then they'll open up escrow. They're going to pull a title report. And the title report will give you the conditions of what needs to happen uh, for you to uh, basically sell the property. And... Then, during that time frame, it will take about a week or so, maybe take a couple days, whatever, it depends how fast they are. Then follow up with the escrow agent, make sure everything's you know completed. Um, and then, now that you know all that, you want to figure out what you're in the property for. You want to figure out, okay, what's the payoff? You know, you know if you have a hard number on the, uh, uh, like on the first deal, it was $47,000 cash. Well, it's $47,000 cash plus prorated taxes plus closing fees of, let's say, $1,000. So we're going to be in the property for, say, $48,000. The other deal I did uh, yesterday um, was it was it $36,000. We basically said we'll take over your existing financing and give you $36,000. I mean, uh, my fault. Uh, $5,000 cash. So we have to know what the mortgage payoff is. Now I put in the contract that it, it should not exceed $37,000. So it shouldn't go any higher than that. If it is higher than that, then I can renegotiate on the, how much cash they're going to get at closing. Um, so that's important. Knowing what you're in it for plus closing costs plus fees. So theoretically, let's say you're you know on, on that one deal, cash deal, in it for forty-eight thousand dollars, and you want to make ten thousand dollars. Well, turn around and you can you can um, know that you can sell it to the your cash buyers and put a price on it about forty-eight, forty-nine, fifty thousand dollars to give yourself 
a little bit of room to negotiate. So that's that's knowing what you're in the property for. That's all your cost to you uh, to to uh, to purchase a property. Okay. Now it's time to sell the property in hours, not days. We'll get into that in the uh, next episode, and that's a blast. Um, we have we have ways of selling our properties literally within hours. I mean. Uh, I put properties, you know, we, we have our, our short buyer, our short buyers list that we, I send, you know, uh, I call up or send a text to and our, our normal regular buyers. But if for some reason they're not going to take it, we have a database of a lot of invest thousands of investors, cash buyers, and we'll send, uh, uh, put it on our site and we have, which we'll talk about in the next episode. I've got these unbelievable ways of targeting and 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 uh, driving traffic to the site and being able to sell the property extremely quick I, I like I said I put properties out there and I'll get two and three and four contracts in a matter of an hour or two of the property hitting the site of people wanting it now I don't play a bidding war I just take the first come first serve any you know first one that comes in gets the deal Okay, so we're going to talk about that in the next episode. So definitely stay tuned. Subscribe to uh, the iTunes podcast. Go to the website fliptofreedom.com, Whatever you have to do uh, to get that because it's going to be awesome. All right. Now, like I said before, if you have not um, downloaded my free comprehensive blueprint, make sure you do that at the fliptofreedom.com. All this will come together what I'm talking about. Basically, systematically, step-by-step, week-by-week, we'll show you specifically exactly what you have to do to go from where you are working a job to be able to make enough cash for an, for your whatever you make for an entire year. $50,000, you can get that in the bank, and you can get that in the bank quickly using my system. And it's, uh, it's uh, just, like I said, it's for free. All you got to do is just download it. It's a... Uh, it's like I said, it took me months to, to be able to uh, put it together, but I wanted to make sure it was comprehensive and answered all the questions and, uh, and you were able to use it to get success. All right. Till next time, I wish you ultimate success in your real estate investing career. If you have any questions whatsoever, um, go to flip to freedom on the right hand side. There is a, uh, a voicemail, a, a voicemail. It's a 480 number of voicemail. You can leave a voicemail, ask a question if you like. I'll, I'll, I'll get sent it an MP3 file. Um, it's my e-voice account there and uh, I'll play it on the show. I'll, I'll be able to answer your question or just leave a comment. Um, if you have a question as well, I'd be uh, more than willing to, uh, help out and see what I can do. Uh, for you. Okay. Until then, God bless. And we will see you in episode number nine. We're getting up there, huh? Talk to you later. Bye. 